Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Setting the Tone Interviews. My name is Elizabeth, and today Daniel and I are excited to get to sit down with Mark Jablon. Mr. Jablon is known to ER fans for his role as medical student Larry Weston, making seven appearances over the course of two seasons. Mr. Jablon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, Lizzie, call me Mark. Okay. And uh, Mark. thank you so much for uh, having me. This yeah. is yeah. fantastic. I try to be I try to be polite as I can because you know, meeting you for the first time. So. Well, especially when the celebs start rolling in, then it's like, then you're not sure and you just want to be really differential. (laughs) So to get us started off here tonight, uh, how'd you get your start in acting and what led you to working on ER? Well, I was acting from a very young age. Um, When I was 10 years old, you know, doing the school plays, all that stuff, all through high school. And um, went to college, thought I'd study acting, didn't, went back to, I went to Chicago, uh, went back to New York for about a year. Thought I was going to act there, but realized, wow, it's like really hard here. Went to Chicago to do the Second City uh, uh, training center, their, their um, conservatory mm-hmm. program. And uh, did that for about a year. Thought I would just stay for that. Ended up staying for another four years in Chicago. Did a lot of theater there. Really cut my teeth primarily there. And then just really wanted formal training. So I went up to the University of Washington. Uh, graduated from there in 2005. Got my MFA there in acting and moved to, it was New York or LA. I came to LA because the vibe that I was kind of getting out of my showcase felt really good and um, kind of paid off. I came here and I started working pretty quickly. Um, when I say quickly, it's like I booked my first job. Yay. Then I didn't work for a year. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of, we've all gone through it. Um, and uh, I was starting to get a couple of guest stars and my agent called and said, you got this audition for ER. It may be recurring. And I was like, ah. and so I remember I was, I was uh, interning in Pasadena at a law firm when I got the call from my agent saying, you booked it. And I was kind of like, I went behind this wall to take the call and I started crying. <laughs> because I knew it was going to be recurring and I was so excited and I thought, oh my gosh, this could be like, you know, this could be a break for my career. Like I never, you know, just never know how it goes, you know? Um, so, uh, of course I did not book a series out of that, but I was super excited. Um, of course. And it was, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, I did a, uh, a few episodes in season 13 and then another one in 14 and then a couple of 15, something like that. So it was, it was yeah, that's pretty much the, uh, yeah. So what are your memories of like that audition process? Like was like, where is there like, like a formal like in person where they bring you in an interview or was it just sort of like your agent working with, with the ER folks? No, no. So uh, it was the first, the audition with the casting director, John Levy um, and um, Melanie Burgess, who at the time was his uh, casting assistant for years. Fantastic. Both of them just great. And, you know, you just kind of go to John Levy's office on the, on the Warner Brothers lot. He has an interesting kind of setup because when you walk in, there's like a little hallway. It's not even a hallway. It's like whatever, just like his room's down there. And then you come down here, here and here and everywhere there's like can be people. And so you're kind of, you know, of course, with every role, you're sort of like, oh, who's auditioning for, you know, my role. Uh, and uh, just went in, read for them. It just kind of felt right. Um, I didn't know that I would get it, but I'd kind of. My process with auditioning was just go in there, kick ass in the audition, and as much as you can, forget about it when you leave the room. <laughs> now, you can't completely forget about it, but I used to say to myself, you know, you'll get the next one, right? Or at least they'll call you back for something else, that kind of thing. And then I got the call later in the day that I was going to go to go to producers and um, read for the producers and found out, uh, I guess it was the next day because I was interning. Uh you know, that gig. So yeah, we're not interning. I was uh, temping. Did I say interning? I wasn't interning. I was temping. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with interning. That's right. But at 32, I was not interning <laughs> at a law firm. So uh, as you mentioned, your character kind of first pops up in season 13. Uh, it's actually sp- specifically episode 18 titled Photographs and Memories, uh, which is kind of appropriate because what are your memories of stepping onto that set for the first time and kind of filming those first few scenes? What was that like for you? It was a little bit daunting i think it would be for anybody to walk on that set where there's so much going on at any given time Mm -hmm. and you just don't know 
like I just wasn't familiar. I'd done a handful of guest stars before that, but I was acting with, you know, a couple of people at a time in pretty intimate scenes. This was not going to be that. <laughs> this was a lot of the tech. So I'm in the ER and I'm learning all the tech and I'm, you know, I can speak about that a little bit because it's really cool. Um, so you just kind of go on, you realize like, oh my gosh, how many legends have walked through these halls and been on this set? And also knowing that so many of the background actors, the amazing, dedicated, awesome, like most level-headed, they have to be like so patient, background actors who'd been there for years. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't realize that. So you're not only walking in as you're thinking like, all right, well, yeah, I'm a guest star. It's kind of cool. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I got things to say and I have a name and all that. And it's great. But you're on hallowed ground, not only with the cast, the leading characters, the series regulars, but also all those background people who've been there for a long time. And were so much a part of that family. Right. You know, you want to try to look carefully. Yeah. But it was fantastic. I mean, it was just I, I was awestruck, awestruck. Yeah. How could you um, and once you kind of get past the first day and you sort of know how they shoot, and how things are going to go, then and then you figure out, OK, this is when I know I'm waking up in the morning. Like, I'm not going to get some magically late call time tomorrow. <laughs> All the group stuff happens very early in the morning. And, the you know, they pare down the cast as, as they move through it. And the series regulars have their, you know, their smaller seats. So how so like one of the things ER is known for is having sort of a steep learning curve for actors in terms of like the fast pace and the complex medical dialogue. How did you find that process of learning that? Um, okay, so I don't want to brag, <laughs> but that stuff comes pretty easily to me. Really? Uh, especially because I'm an experiential learner. Okay. So it's sort of like, I mean, also, I mean, I you know, I know it's kind of a kind of a I don't know, convenient thing to say, but like my training helped a lot. The the training that I got at University of Washington, very physically based, a lot about that's kind of, you're sort of managing the kinesthetic sense you have for completing a some kind of physical action or gesture, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And it being connected to your thought and the breath and the line and all that jazz that, that they talk about in acting. So for me, it was just taking this little script and I've always been good at pronunciation. So I've always been a really good reader, mm-hmm. you know, just taking words off the page. And I've been good at kind of like managing, you know, walking and chewing gum in those ways pretty easily. And it's funny, I figured you'd probably ask this because um, when I was there, and I don't remember the person's name and not to be controversial, but there were people who I had heard as recently as the week before I got on the set that weren't on the show anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd say, oh, why? You know, just out of curiosity, like, what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they say they couldn't handle the tech. Hmm. So if you're, you know, if you have to do eight, nine takes, if you cast somebody to do a three-episode arc, but now you're maybe taking, and I, these are not the numbers, but let's just say you're taking an sure. extra half hour, 40 minutes out of the day because somebody's having trouble pronouncing uh, hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> then you could have a problem. Right. Or if they can't execute when to put the needle in the person's arm and receive the gauze from, you know, Linda and give the thing to Parminder and then take and watch John go around here. And Scott's going to say this when you're saying it's like some people's heads just explode. Yeah. So fortunately, that wasn't something that I had to really deal with. Exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And I don't know if you if anybody's told you this previously, um, but what they do is they bring you in for a tech rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So they know that whoever has the a lot of the technical stuff, they'll say, okay, we're going to bring you in for Dr. Mike. May you rest in peace. Dr. Mike is ready to do your tech, right? Or Dr. Zach's going to do your tech now. It's like, oh, okay. So we'd go in, the three of us, one at a time, sorry, one at a time. We'd go into the ER on the set alone and he would walk us through with these mini sides and he'd have it written, hand Mindy this. Hmm. Get thing from Scott. Wow. You know, boom, boom, boom. And so, I would be like, okay, and I just practice it physically a couple of times. And then like they'd highlight all the medical words and make sure you got the medical jargon. So they actually would have a little rehearsal with you for like five minutes, five, mm-hmm. seven minutes tops. And they'd get the next person in and that's how we'd learn the tech. Wow. And that would just be for one scene. Wow. Pretty nuts. Uh, so one of your first kind of, I think it's either your, it's not your first episode, but I think it's your second one, um, is it's kind of a special episode. It's a wedding episode for uh Abby and Luca, uh, 
And since so little, if any, it's been a while since I've watched that specific episode, but since so little, uh, if any, of the of episode <laughs> takes place in the ER proper, um, do you have any specific memories of filming that episode? And was it kind of more fun than usual to do? Or was it difficult because you're kind of upsetting this rhythm that you're trying to establish on this new fast paced? It was a blast, Daniel. Blast. It was a blast. It was. And I remember I have a lot of memories about it. It's funny. I was thinking about it as I was coming home today. <laughs> Um, so many memories from that episode. So we shot it downtown, um, off of, I believe it was fifth and Mateo street. So, oh, sorry, not Mateo, uh, Santa Fe, one of those two streets downtown. And what was interesting is two years later, I had co-founded a theater company that was down right down in that area. So I used to go by this place all the time. So usually the episodes would you know, they had a particular budget for each episode. And I don't know, maybe it's a million an episode or something, you know. And this episode, they had to go in for like seven to ten days before and light the entire space. Oof. Now, this studio was known for shooting a lot of porn. <laughs> so they would shoot. Well, they weren't a studio. It was just like this place. And they would right. all these like porn shoots would happen. So we would walk by these chairs and be like. Did they have sex on that uh. <laughs> What happened over here? Like, what what was going on over here like three days ago? Like, what are you guys oh, like? Man. Let's just like look at this chair. And they, so, so it was a big deal. And they had this thing rigged. I mean, it must have cost. I mean, I think it was just a you know whatever. I'm, I'm not even into talking budgets. I'm just saying it was an expensive, long, you know, proposition to get everything rigged up and ready to go in there. Um, the cool thing about it was that they invited like all these guest stars. And I didn't think, I didn't think I'd be involved in it. Like I'd only done a couple of episodes at that point. So I yeah. was like, you know, whatever sounds cool. But then I didn't realize that they had the thing planned for me and Linda in the next episode. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm treating her like my girlfriend, whatever. So, um, after we make out at the wedding, <laughs> the benefit of your audience here and, uh, which we didn't really do, but, um, so yeah, so it was it was so many people. I mean, Sarah Gilbert was there, and I remember she was I think she was pregnant at the time, so that was kind of cool. And it's like, oh, I'm hanging with Sarah Gilbert. This is kind of nice, and we're all just like shooting shit, whatever. And um, but it was a blast. I mean, I remember one of the coolest things about it was that I got a I got this gold with blue pinstripe um, Hugo Boss suit to wear, and. I was pretty sure Scott Grimes walks over to me and goes, dude, this suit looks great on you. I was like, thanks. Is it yours? I go, no, I, uh, no, this is, this is this wardrobe. He goes, you should ask for it. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, see if they'll, see if they'll give it to you. It's like, come on, give me a suit. He goes, are you kidding? He goes, go over and ask. Oh, God, I forgot her name now. It's terrible. Lisa. It's been 10 years. Go, out, go, go outside. Go ask Lisa if, uh, if she'll give you this, just sounds like, all right, I'm going to wait a little while. And like an hour later, he comes back over. He goes, did you ask her yet? He says, I'm going to ask her for you if you don't ask. You look great in that suit. I'm like, all right, <laughs> just relax, Buster Grimes. That's what I used to call him. I'm like, just relax. Buster Grimes. So then sure enough, like an hour, I don't know, within the next little while, I went out and asked her. And um, she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Do you want us to press it for you? I'm like, no, you don't, no, you don't press. She goes, listen, when you take it off today, we'll have it pressed. Or at the end of the week, whatever, let us know. We'll have it pressed and we'll have it for you on Tuesday, next Tuesday. And I was like, and they ended up getting me, Carly, Blake got me a, got me a, uh, a drive on, uh, pass, you know, drive it to come and pick it up the following Tuesday. <laughs> I picked up this, this freshly pressed and clean suit. That's and awesome. I was like, I wore the hell out of that thing for like eight years. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I loved it. That's amazing. So there were a lot of really cool things happening during that episode. Um, and just the whole layout of the place. And I remember at one point we were on the verge of going into, we were already on, um, we were already, you know, past our 12 hours of work. And I think we were about to move into golden time. And that's when the producers really start to freak out because, you know, you got all these previous guest stars, all of who have their quotes. I mean, you know, I'm a guest star, you're a guest star, you're a celebrity, whatever you want to call them, you know, very successful. They have and so they're already getting paid a lot more than I am. So to go into golden time means, you know, for a couple of hours, because it was just such a, such a big, 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 you know, event. It was an interesting time and a, and a great episode. And, um,
I just remember thinking, man, this must cost a lot of money to shoot this damn episode. <laughs> <laughs> but the space was great, and it was it was awesome. Oh, and you know who was on that too? Larry Weiner. Larry Weiner? Yeah, Larry Weiner, who's um, who plays the uh, he plays um from Spaceballs, from Fletch, from oh okay, uh, all right, and he plays the the rabbi who marries Luke and Abby. Okay. And um and I always thought he was Jewish and he said no. It's because of my nose. People think I'm Jewish, but no. I'm uh I'm Irish Catholic. And I was like, get out. Yeah, and we were talking and I and I was like, man, I'm like, I I loved you and Fletch. And he goes, Oh yeah, people ask me that. He's like, but mostly I get, you know, mostly stuff like that. And then he was telling me how there was gonna be a remake and Mel was interested and it was just starting to pick up steam around that time. And he said something very interesting to me. He said, you know. This show, this is, you know, like now you've done a handful of episodes of ER as a guest star. He goes, you know, this is this is like a new community, you know, and uh, welcome to the community. And I thought, oh, my God, like he's totally like just anointed me. You know, I've been knighted as part of the community. Uh, but it was just an interesting thing that I never forgot him say. And it kind of yeah. felt like that's sort of what was happening, yeah. you know. Uh, and in many ways, it was. In many ways, it was. The business changed a lot right after that. There was a, a writer strike, and then the the potential of the actor strike, and things were kind of in turmoil. And a lot of the mergers happened, and things like that. And it really sort of turned the business upside down. But um, but that was a little bit later. It's like two years later. Was Was there anybody else during your kind of time on the show that you found yourself in a similar situation with, where you were kind of awestruck by them, or just really excited to get the chance to to meet them, who wasn't maybe part of the regular cast? Yes, and also. I think maybe they had been working a little bit more than I had at that time. So they just didn't show it as much. I mean, I didn't really show it as much. I had a nervous energy about me when I was on that show. So, you know, on the one hand, I say I became friendly with, you know, I became friendly with Scott and I became friendly with John and he did a couple of things with my theater company, a big event downtown, which was really great. Um, like a year and a half later, you know, and, but on the other hand, I also realized that there were times where, and I, I'm, happy that I came to this realization. It was also a little bit of a bummer, but understanding that the scenes that you're in on shows like that, mm -hmm. for those actors, the regulars, like we had a lot of fun in a lot of those surgery scenes, a lot of fun, you know? Um, but, and I'll jump back to the fun in a second, but knowing that that's the easy part of their day, right? The hard start stuff for them is at two o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. And they've been there since 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And they're really difficult scenes where they really have to lock in and they're mano y mano with, with somebody else. And they've got to, you know, which really gives the show like most of its real gravitas mm -hmm. um, and emotional punch. Uh, that happens later. So the more energy, you know, they can conserve in some ways, right? And if you're a guest star, there's that tendency to feel like you're part of the family because they want you to feel like you're part of the family, but you also have to understand, I had to understand a little bit more my place within that family. Not that anybody was wagging their finger at me, but just no. to be a little more aware, I think, of allowing some space so that I didn't get too overexcited about the fact that I was kind of part of this family. Sure. And it felt good. It felt good. So, so uh, moving on, uh, you touched on this a little bit before, but uh, we met, you mentioned that, um, episode after the wedding your character also has you know a pretty funny up probably the funniest episode of your run you know in my opinion um was you know playing playing along with uh, linda cardellini as you know your girlfriend but not really after 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 you did after you hooked up and did outer course <laughs> so <laughs> which, uh yeah um so do you have any particular memories of working on that episode with linda like in that context or just you know like how how was it for you to like actually like lean into more of the comedy of the character i mean it was great you know i thought i thought the first episode where i came in my first scene was with with, with john stamos mm -hmm. uh so that was really cool um and i kind of followed him around that first episode so there was definitely some comedy there which was good um i remember i just i do have to have a side note so <laughs> There's one point where Stamos is bandaging this girl up and and uh, he's trying to say something and he mispronounces the name for the medication mm -hmm. a couple of times. And I'm just standing there. So finally, I uh, I correct him and he goes, 
great. New new guy over here is giving me a line reading. This is great. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, well, after the second, you know, after the second time, you know. Um, so that was pretty funny, and it happened like a couple of more times. And he goes, "What is it?" Like right in the middle of the scene, he'd be like, "What is it?" And I'd say it, and of course, he'd stop and go again. And obviously, they edited that out. Um, so there was comedy there, and in the third episode, we kind of got back to that, which was which was really cool. Um, you know, one thing that helped another little whatever tidbit for actors out there is that during the wedding, when we had to do the makeout thing, I very specifically calmly, it was not that big a deal. Um, I just said, Hey Linda, how do you want me to, how do you want to do this? Cause I'm, I'm thinking we're not going to like actually like make out. Like, do you want me to just kind of like, you know, like nuzzle your hair or something? Cause the camera kind of comes in and you don't, you just see the sort of tail end of yeah. it. Yeah. It's very quick. And, um, and it was really cool. She was like, oh, you know what? That'd be good. Like, yeah, if you just, you know, she's like, yeah, thanks for asking. And I was like, yeah, no problem. You know? And so like, it's little things like that, that when you show up for the next episode and now you have to do multiple scenes with that person, if that thing with the making out is at all uncomfortable, if you make even an offhanded joke about it or, you know, anything that's going to make that person uncomfortable in any way, shape or form, if you don't know them yet, you know, like Linda and, John or Scott or whoever or Shane at the time, like they can joke around like that, you know, if they're going to do a makeout scene. For me, it was just like, hey, how do you want to do this? Blah, blah, blah. If I just kind of came in here, like, boom, clean, good, done. And so I have no idea. I'm not going to say that she was thinking about that, but it can definitely sour, you know, uh, a relationship with another actor uh, going in the next time. So anyway, that episode was great. What was a little jarring is that the my, the guy playing my father was wearing exactly what I wore in my first episode at the end of the show. <laughs> so that was like, I'm like, that's why they gave me the suit. That's why they gave me the suit because they double up on the sweaters. This is good. This is fine. <laughs> I get that. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. The other thing was they didn't sound like they were from Long Island at all. And believe me, I'm from Long Island. I know how people talk <laughs> all right, all the time. This is what I grew up with. So, um, but as far as like doing those scenes with her, it was great. I mean, I found out later that I had actually, like the people sort of hooked in, hooked on to uh, Luby mm-hmm. um, because I had said Luke and Abby. And so then people were like saying that on some message boards, which I didn't even know existed at the time. So that was kind of funny. Um, did you hear when Larry said Luby? Oh my God. You know, I'm like, oh, I love Luby. That was hilarious. So that was kind of funny. Um, and just, uh, being able to kind of let loose a little bit, you know, it was, it was good. I mean, when you're in multiple scenes and there's an arc there and it's funny, it's great because you're doing a one hour drama, but you also get to show off your comedy chops a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think what was doubly cool about it. And Linda's just great. I mean, she's a great actress. You know, she's just a, a great, great actor. And yeah, she's fantastic. So uh, ER ER wasn't the last time that you got to play a doctor, as you later went on to appear as Dr. Ken Keaton in another NBC series, Community. Uh, so how did, how did your experience on ER kind of compare and contrast with your time on Community? Well, okay. So there's a little bit of overlap. On the second episode, I had to actually have the stethoscope and I was putting the stethoscope on Ken Jong's, you know, on Chang's body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool. And that was again, like sort of like a walk and chew gum kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, but that actually was more difficult <laughs> because Jay Chandra Kassar, uh, Sakar, who directed it, mm-hmm. um, he had actually wanted me to kind of not real like he and Ken had different ideas about what I was going to do in that moment because Ken had to sort of have these reactions and he wasn't as comfortable with that thing just like on his skin. Gotcha. Just leave it at that. Um, so that was a little bit uh, different. Uh, that, that was a little bit similar, but also a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that if I was to try to pull something out that would kind of have an effect, um, or have some kind of impact on the way I approach community. I mean, not much scares you after you go through the experience of being on ER. Mm-hmm. Not much intimidates you. So at that point, I just felt like, well, heck, if I can get through an entire highly technical scene on ER, in the ER with like six other actors, and I'm like pumping blood and 
you know, <laughs> while watching a guy actually pumping the blood from underneath the table, you know, it's like, Wonder if, if I can get through that, you know, and there's some serious moments and then we're goofing off in between and all this, you know, then, yeah, I can do anything. And the cameras are right there. I mean, I remember the first time I was like, but I'm going to cross the camera. They're like, it's fine. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. So when I was on ER, the uh, Grey's Anatomy was at its initial peak. I mean, right. it was exploding. It was the most popular drama on television, or just about. Don't quote me on that. Um, and but there was, you know, there was a lot of tension on that set. Um, and I don't need to point it out. You know, there were just actors were having issues. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember there being a driver who was driving me from the front lot to the back lot. This was on my first episode. You know, we were going to the back lot because we were shooting this bar scene at the end of the episode. And she said, yeah, I'm a driver for, uh, I also drive for Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and I was like, oh, oh, all right. I mean, what's, I mean, I mean, I've heard about stuff in the news, but like, she goes, oh, the tension on that set. Oh, nothing like ER. And imagine ER has been around for 13 years <laughs> and it's just even Steven, just like they had this incredible formula, no matter who walked on that set. Everything was always even healed. You never heard anybody yell. You never heard anybody rant and rave, raise their voice. I don't remember, swear, anybody, and I have a very razor sharp memory of anybody ever raising their voice in anger on that set. And we had a couple of tough shoots to do, mm-hmm. you know, like two in the morning outside helicopter, people running everywhere, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just never saw it. And it was kind of the polar opposite. So, just that was kind of proof to me that hey wow you never know what's going behind you know going on behind closed doors yeah definitely. you just never know and when you hear about people who leave a show early and, and it's very successful you're like how could they possibly you know, leave that show and and yeah you just never know so uh well shifting it back to the er side of things um you know your last episode in contrast to like you know your earlier stuff your last episode you spend the majority of the episode being held hostage in a trauma room at gunpoint, you know, so obviously very dramatic and obviously, and your character seems, you know, he's further along in his medical student. He's a, one of the lines is, you know, he's almost, he's going to be a resident in two months. So trust me, Morris or whatever, or whatever that is. Um, what was it, what was it like filming? Uh, what was it like filming something like that? Like such a high tense, high, such an intense set of scenes. And, you know, how do you maintain that over multiple takes? So, for us, it was a little bit easier, and it was me and um, uh, Angel Lakita Tankersley. Now Angel Lakita Moore, mm-hmm. Moore Tankersley. Angel Lakita Moore Tankersley. Uh, she was in that scene with me, and I think was Grisha also in that scene with me. Uh, it was a lot more. I just different. watched this episode the other day. I, yeah, I know she's was, in the episode, but I don't know if she's in the room. But she's not in the room with me. Yeah. It's me and Angel in the room. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then right. also, um, and it was Scott, one of, Scott okay. Grimes and Parminder. Yeah. Right. 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 But then, right. But eventually, or there's one point where they're not in there with us, or they get out, or we don't, or we get out, and then they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what happens. Yes. So, um, so I think at that point. It's a couple of things that I understand going into scenes like that. Most of the camera cuts are going to be to Scott and Mindy, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of it is really about them trying to talk him off the proverbial ledge, right? Um, so that was just knowing that was just, you know, you just kind of breathe and be, honestly. I mean, there's not much to necessarily you know, conjure up there, mm-hmm. except just be present, be listening, make sure you hit the cues and know that a majority of the dialogue here is going to be between them. So don't check out, right. you know, it's really pretty simple. Um, but you, I'm glad you asked about that because there was actually kind of a funny moment where <laughs> Angel and I are supposed to run out of the room. And on the second take, I just sprinted and she was like right here. And I kind of like shoulder checked her <laughs> as I was running out of the room. And then they're like, all right, cut. And they're like, well, Larry was trying to get out of there fast. I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, She's like, yeah, Mark. Like, all right. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. It was really funny. 
so then like the next take i like took my time and just stood there and like you know had her walk out the door because oh chivalry's God. not dead and i open car doors for women okay like all <laughs> the time so i'm like i'm that guy i felt really bad but once they exit the car then you shoulder block them that's right, the exactly. key. you open the door for them they get out of the car then you shoulder block yeah now here's so an interesting you. tidbit about that show which you probably i probably don't know that was the last episode they shot in the city of chicago Oh, no, I didn't really. I did not know that last show they shot on on location in Chicago. And what happened was going into that season. They had said something like or I think what it was is we're going to give you like three or four more episodes this season. Only Mm -hmm. because the budget, it's like gets out of control and they have to send them to Chicago. Because they have to send a whole they have their team there, their crew, but still the actors, everybody, it's just it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And they do have to send some crew from LA. So, um, so yeah, they said, we'll give you an additional season, but we're going to cut short the number of episodes that you can film in Chicago. And I don't believe any episodes in the final season were shot in Chicago. Wow. Unless hmm. that arrangement changed. Cause I remember that being the arrangement. Yeah. yeah. And so I have a funny story. And now, unless, unless, unless it changed after that, but at the time, that's what the arrangement was. Mm-hmm. You're probably thinking back to the episode you watched in the final season. <laughs> and you to, could yeah. be, yeah, I could be off there, but at the time, I know that's what the arrangement was. Mm-hmm. They might have caved on it. Mm-hmm. So that was the final episode. So I used to work at Gibson Steakhouse in Chicago. All right, you ready for, this is, this is a good story. I okay. think, I think. Delicious steaks, by the way, folks. I've been there. It's Lizzie delicious. lives in Chicago, so you got... <laughs> Yeah. So I worked at Gibson's for two years. And so I heard, I knew they were going to Chicago and I'm literally hearing this on set. So I said, um, I said, uh, to Chris Chulak, right? Chris Chulak, the executive producer and Mm -hmm. director of a lot of episodes. He was directing this episode. Chris, amazing guy. Just amazing. So I said, uh, well, you're going to go to Gibson's or something, right? He goes, no, I know. I've never been. I'm like, Chris, you've never been to Gibson's. I mean, 15 years is, EP of this show. It's been there plenty of times, of course. I was shocked, shocked. I said, listen, Chris, you gotta go. I said, I mean, I I, I gotta make a phone call. I said, I gotta, I, you guys gotta go to this restaurant. When are you going to town? He goes, oh, we can next, well, we're going on whatever. It's like, we're, we fly out Sunday and we come back, you know, Thursday. I was like, great. Tuesday night, I'm getting you guys, I'm getting your reservation at Gibson's. It's like, great. So I call up, I go, you guys are all set. Oh, I said, how many are there going to be? And Scott's like, well, I'm going to, I'll be there. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I guess maybe Samos said he's going, I don't know, two, one other person definitely said, he's like, just say, say it's before. We'll definitely, we'll find four. So Tuesday night, playing in my poker game at eight o'clock. At 6.30, I had gotten a text from Scott because a half hour earlier, I called the restaurant. I said, listen, can you do me a favor? It says John Coletti there, my old general manager, who's still the GM of the restaurant. And they said, no. I said, okay, um, listen, I have some friends there. Uh, do you have a t- table, Chris, Christopher, Chris Chulak? Chulak? She says, uh, no. Oh, is it, oh, I said, Scott Grimes, maybe? She goes, is it John Stamos' table? I go, yes. Okay, <laughs> it's John Stamos' table. Can you do me a favor? Can you buy them a turtle pie, the macadamia turtle pie? It's their best dessert, greatest dessert ever. It's a graham cracker cinnamon crust with a wedge of haagen vanilla ice cream with macadamia nuts and a chocolate and caramel drizzle. For those of you out there who love the dessert. <laughs> so I order one for the table. Scott goes, and I said, put a birthday candle in for John. She says, is it really his birthday? I said, yes, it is. I had no idea. <laughs> so they put the candle in. Scott texts me. He says, dude, Gibson's is amazing. Thank you so much for the birthday thing. John loved it. Mo says hi. Muhammad Sakani, one of my buddies over there who's been working there for 30 years. He just left the restaurant. He was there for 30 years. Wow. So I put it on my credit card. Muhammad called me the next day incidentally and says, what's wrong with you? You he's got a, got a dirty mouth. You this, that, uh, you tell me next time I'll buy the dessert. I don't need you putting down your credit card for freaking dessert. I was like, okay, okay. okay. So now it's an hour and a half later. I'm at my poker game. I get a text message from my college roommate. I'm sitting with John Stamos at a bar. What? Now, I haven't talked to this guy, Dan, my college roommate, in several months at this point, a couple of years maybe at this point. So he's out of the blue saying to me, 
I'm sitting with John Stamos. Turns out John is friends with a, a toy mogul in Chicago, and Dan knows his son. So Dan's hanging with the son, John's hanging with the dad, and the rest of the cast is there. I said, I just bought them dessert at Gibson's. I said, tell him you're texting with me. <laughs> and he goes, I don't want to do that. I go, Dan, I just, I'm like, we're not best, I'm not, we're not besties, but just like, just say you're just because I bought him the dessert. <laughs> you know, no big deal. He goes, all right. So it turns out they, the four of them had dinner and then met up with Linda and Parminder and whatever. So my friend Dan then calls me. So I get up from the <laughs> poker table and a couple of them are like, Mark, why, where are you? Why aren't you here, Larry? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, they're just saying that because they're drunk. Like, it's not, I'm, I'm not in the script. I'm, I wouldn't be there. Like, I'm not, I'm not part of, you know, I'm not a cast member. So anyway, so then it turns out that Dan, like, yeah, they had this whole weird coincidence. And this bar was like on the other side of town. Okay. Fast forward six months. My friend wrote a screenplay. My first night in LA, my friend wrote the screenplay and my first night in LA back in 2005, we went to Katsuya for sushi in Studio City. Parminder's there. I have no idea who she is at the time. I've never seen Bendit like Beckham. I have no clue. You know, I knew of the movie. Sean, my buddy, had a huge crush on her. He's like, there's Parminder Nagra. There's Parminder Nagra. I go, what are you? I'm sorry. Slow down. So he goes, that's Parminder Nagra right there. That actor. I go, oh. I go, yeah, I don't know. She was in, she was invented like Beckham. You know, he's like, I wrote a screenplay for her. So now it's two years later and I'm on the show. So I said, listen, Sean, again, like I'm not in the club, but I've done a few episodes. We've become kind of friendly. She's really cool. I bet you if you gave me the script and you really wanted her to read it, like she'd read five pages of it. And he's like, do you think so? I'm like, Look, just send it. You never know. Man. So I message I message her, I message Parminder. And I said, listen, my friend wrote this. Oh no, I asked her on set. And like, it was in the middle of this, shooting this episode. I said, do you have, um, I'm like, might you have time to read this script? My friend wrote it. It's I, I, I honestly don't know if it's really any good, but I haven't had time to read it. He's, he had you in mind for it. And I told her the whole story about when we first got to LA and she said, she's like, yeah, of course, send it over. I was like, great. I get a drive on pass and I arrive on set. Like this is like a month later. And it's Mackay's final episode. Okay. So it's coming back from lunch. And I see Linda. And Linda comes out from the stage and says to the PA there, oh, um, I, uh, I have a ride. A friend's picking me up. Okay, great. Uh, Linda has a ride. Friend is picking her up. Great, thank you. And she goes, hey. I'm like, hey. She goes, are you working? I'm like, no, no. I'm, I'm dropping off a script for Arminder. It's my friend wrote it. She goes, oh. That's cool. I go, where is everybody? She goes, oh, Scotty's in the trailer and they're there and everybody's coming back from lunch or everybody's breaking for lunch. I go, oh, great. I'm like, cool. So uh, she goes, yeah, I, Mindy should be around somewhere whatever. So now I, uh, so now one by one, people start coming out and it's the same question. Hey, hey, are you working? No, just here to drop off the script for Parminder. Oh, okay. I see Scott come out of the trailer. And before I get that, I see Stamos come out from the stage. He goes, Haywood. So he used to call me Haywood, like Haywood, my last name's Jablon. Haywood, you blow me. Okay. <laughs> a funny joke. God. It used to be in the phone book back in the 80s. John oh, thought this was very funny. So he carried on this joke. And he like, so he used to call me Haywood. So I was like, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's up? He goes, and he made some joke about my career, whatever, just like goofing around. And uh, so he kind of scatters for a minute, whatever. And then I go over and talk to Scott and I come back. And now Makai is coming out off the set and Linda, so everybody's kind of gathering around and Linda's friend comes to pick her up. Well, Linda's friend is Bill Murray. Oh, so okay. Bill, so Bill Murray, <laughs> Bill Murray is driving this like 50 something Cadillac or something pulls in and apparently, and Scott goes, Oh my God, dude, we had dinner with him last night. It's freaking hysterical. I'm like, what is going on right now? I shouldn't even be here. Like, I just came to drop <laughs> off a script. I could have emailed it to her, right? I have no business being here right now. Makai comes out and he's got some gifts because it was his last day and some people got him gifts, whatever. And I guess there was a reference to something about, I forget, how did he, how does he die? This is terrible. Uh, me. An ambulance explodes and he- The ambulance explodes, yeah. right. So, so there was some kind of reference to like Bill Murray and the dentist and Little Shop of Horrors and all that stuff, right? 
So, okay. so Bill walks over, and now it's John, me, Scott, Linda, Bill, and Makai comes walking out, and Bill Murray's not saying a word. Just has his hands in his pockets, doesn't say a word. Makai walks over, and Bill Murray goes, hey, Makai, and like 20 dental gauze come flying out of Bill Murray's mouth. So we're cracking up. We have no, I have zero idea why it's happening, but it's still funny. These guys are cracking up. I'm like, this is like ridiculous. So now we're kind of like in a circle. And Linda's like, hey, yeah, you know, Scott, you know, John, John's like, good to see you. And, uh, and she goes, Mark, this is Bill, Bill. I'm like, yeah, Bill, nice to meet you. And, um, and so now Stanwell turns to me and he goes, by the way, I never got to thank you for the uh, birthday cake a couple months ago in Chicago. I go, ah, don't worry about it. And he goes, no, no, no. I, you know, I was like, I, I, you know, when I, it came over and I saw the candle in it, and Scott looked at me and I was like, you know, hey, Woody, he's all right. He's all right. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So now I turn and I, I don't know, like something about introducing myself to Bill or maybe there's something else being said. And he, Stamos kind of like taps me on the shoulder and he goes, I was talking to you. And I go, yeah, but it's Bill Murray. <laughs> I said, John, I mean, it's Bill Murray. He goes, oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Just keep it right here. Okay. Just keep it right here. Oh my God. I'm ridiculous. Oh, so what started, you know, months before uh, at Gibson's all of a sudden turns into this bizarre encounter with uh, Bill Murray and a bunch of flying gauze and uh, John Stamos thanking me for a birthday cake. Wow. So it was just an interesting, uh, interesting few months there. No yeah. kidding. So, uh, like we said, that was your last episode. And on our show, on our show, STT, we have a unique class of characters known as Bobs. And that refers to an early season side character uh, called Bob, who was written out of the series very suddenly and without specific explanation. Your character kind of fits this bill, having disappeared uh, without explanation after that episode. You leave the ER after the hostage situation ends, and then you're just never seen again. And there's never any sort of explanation or, or any sort of resolution to your character. Uh, we just don't see you anymore. So how was the fact that your character wouldn't be appearing anymore communicated to you? And were you disappointed that he didn't get more a more definitive ending? Well, so, okay. So one thing that I knew had happened was that, you know, I did those three in in 13, and then I did one episode in season 14. But what was odd about it, I think it was that one episode where Gil, what's Gil's last name? My man Gil, who played, he was like another recurring guest star, and he had sort of a kind of a romantic almost thing with somebody later, really good actor. He had booked a film, and so... He was unable to do that episode. So I got the call to do that one. And I felt like I got a taste of what it's like for those writers and what they what their sort of process is, that they make sure, like, unless it's a specific arc, they'll kind of have, you know, a couple that are interchangeably plug and play. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of have these couple of guest stars, but they could probably do each other's parts in that particular episode, right? As long as it's not the launch of a new character arc for them right so i kind of stepped in in season 14 just doing that and then thought oh it's kind of over mm -hmm. you know so i wasn't sure if when i came back in 15 that it was like oh maybe they have another guest star that we had written this for but hey now that he's gone let's get larry back we never <laughs> you know he didn't die or anything you know and he was okay uh let's get this guy back or they could have thought like hey we never really resolved this let's bring him back and you never know what it could turn into and oh yeah once again it's you know it's just these three so sure. um i think it was just communicated as it just wasn't really yeah like i just wasn't working the next episode i was also admittedly a little anxious about whether i'd be working the following episodes because i had it i had you know i had a side job and i had this and that and you know, the guest stars are great. You're working for potentially like three, four days, five days out of out of the 10 that they shoot. Mm -hmm. But you have no idea what the implications are for the rest of your life. Right. So sometimes it's difficult to and, 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 and I had, you know, I think it just sort of went along with that kind of energy I was carrying at the time, which was, you know, a little bit anxious, a little bit excited and like, whoa, this could all like it could all end tomorrow. And, you know, I may not work for another year. Cause I've experienced that before. So mm -hmm. I think there's always a little mixture of that into the whole thing. So 
you've obviously talked about a lot of different memories, a lot of different stories from the show, which, you know, has been amazing to listen to. So thank you for sharing the ones so far. But is there any other ones that come to mind as any other stories or just memories that stand out as particularly memorable or as particularly significant to you as a person as from your time on the show? I think that it was an amazing time. And it was there was such uncertainty surrounding the entire industry at that point that I was so excited to have a job and to feel like and to sort of be on this upward trajectory, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was no like I, I don't want to paint it as, oh, something was about to break through and it didn't. And I was devastated. It wasn't like that. It was just it felt like that. And it was a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's all good if it doesn't happen, because then it's that's kind of the just the way the business rolls. But my. I think the most exciting part about it was just being around so many great people that many of whom have moved on from acting, um, many of whom have gone on to do bigger and better uh, and just different things. Like just knowing how interestingly well-rounded people were, especially like the, you know, the background cast who I got to know really well because we were all doing a lot of the same hanging out in the same rooms and standing around together, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that was really the coolest part of it and knowing that I've seen where they've gone and they followed what I've done since and, and um, getting a little taste of what it's like to work with some really, really, really amazing actors and amazing writers, the writers who never got stale, you know, they were able to sustain such top notch uh, writing for as long as they did. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just you just felt a certain vibe about that show that was incredible. And it kind of culminated in the 300th episode uh, party that again, I think it was just fortunate that I happened to be working on the show at that time uh, that I got an invite. Uh, And it was incredible. I mean, you walked in and there were like a hundred TV screens on these three different sets. There were like walls, which were sets of TV screens with, you know, short glimpses of like hundreds of episodes at a time. And you're just standing there and you're like, oh, my God, like, there I am, you know. (laughs) And I mean, there was even a moment where I remember doing like this to the camera or something. And it was like not part of the scene, but they had taken this (laughs) B-roll and there was I like doing this, which I probably only did one time, you know. Um, But that was that was really cool. There was just a lot of I hate to say it, but just a lot of love on that show. Yeah, really was. You know, just to, and I want that experience of being part of a group like that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that would be really, uh, and seeing how they got along, you know, that was really cool too. So, uh, are you working on any projects currently and how can fans of ER keep up with your work outside of the show? Hmm. So interestingly enough, uh, about a year later, I kind of left the business. (laughs) Um, I, except for the community gig, which was a couple years later. Um, but I wasn't really, I, I, uh, life happened mm-hmm. and I stepped away. Um, no major illness or anything like that. Just an odd business partnership that kind of just went sour and just kind of soured me on just any of it, mm-hmm. the arts. So I kind of just stepped back, got into learning and development training and facilitating for like business. I uh, don't get too much into that, but um, it's been fantastic. It's been, I've been doing that for about uh, 10 years um, but just six months ago, I decided I'm getting back in the biz. So nice. I've kind of shifted things around job-wise. And I just came to realize that uh, I was born to do it and I got to do it. And I think that um, I'm, in a, I'm just in a better place than I was even just a couple of years ago uh, to sort of mentally get back in the game. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Just got headshots done. So when you guys asked me to do this, I was like, oh, my God, this is like I'm back <laughs> in the biz. It's fantastic. You know, it's great. Um, and so it's been amazing. Like this is perfect timing. Um, so yeah, so I'll be getting, uh, I'm getting back in the biz. I'm working with, uh, working on getting new representation right now. Um, I built this audio booth, so I'm looking to do, um, I'm putting together a hosting reel. Actually, I have my hosting reel ready to go. I'm looking to host potentially and, uh, doing audiobook narration and voiceover. And there may be some kind of podcast in the works. Um, uh, revolving around a lot of what we've seen uh, as far as racial injustice, racial inequality, economic inequality, oh, things like that. Oh, nice. um, but it's a little ways off because still trying to figure out how and with whom it's going to happen. There's kind of a some energy building around some different circles. So uh, nice. that's kind of what I'm doing. Just 
kind of getting my voice back out there. Wonderful. So Instagram is MD Jabber. No, I'm not a doctor, but as you <laughs> obviously know from the last hour, I played played one on TV. That's right. And um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much where they can uh, sort of find me. So the last question we have for you is one that we've uh, we've kind of made a habit of asking everyone that we've talked to this question because it gives a nice kind of insight and a nice summing up of your um, your personal experience on the show. So, um, you know, kind of one sentence or less or as short as you want it to be. What do you think it's important for fans of ER to know about the show from your unique perspective, um, from your experience? Something that they might not they might not get from just watching the show. It's real simple. They created something legendary they created something lasting they created something truly artistically revolutionary with the way it was shot the way it was written the way it was acted and know from the bottom of my heart even though i only did seven episodes amidst hundreds and i had a brief time on this show as i basically said before there was so much love in that room and it was a collective love for what they were doing and um i think if you do a show for that long and can make that claim, it just makes it all the more sweeter. So just know that everybody in that room loved what they were doing and that's why they stuck around for as long as they did. 